Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Kelly and Joe with Cabin Coffee. We're here to do another session of the roast today. We have Jesse James with here here with us. Hello, Jesse. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Joe. Good, Good to see you. So, tell me, Jesse, what's going on in your world? <laughs> tell everybody who you are. There's a lot, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm Jesse James, and my primary role right now is being the state center senator representing the 23rd senate district some of the part-time activities i participate in include being a patrol officer for the village of Kadat and also uh, helping my wife and daughter run our shaved ice snowy of altoona business so i do love a good snowy those are delicious (laughs) so what is being a senator actually Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it's, uh, I, I did two terms as a state representative, and um, that, that'd be a total of four years. And having to run every other year is a lot of work. Um, and then when the opportunity came about to run as a senator, the number one thing that piqued my interest was a four-year term. And having a four-year term versus a two-year term is extremely beneficial when it comes to family life, activities, um, just having the extra time off to spend with family. Because being in this world as a politician, it, it, it is quite demanding on your life. Um, it does impact your family. And I thought, well, four years is going to be awesome and I'll get to have a little bit of a break in between the, the terms. So that's not the case anymore, I hear. Um, unfortunately, um, what I'm being told from Madison is that uh, those of us that ran last year, um, due to the new makeup of our Supreme Court, that the challenge um, of the, the court case in the Supreme Court regarding redistricting, which um, the common terminology that you'll see on signs in people's yards is and gerrymandering, um, fair maps, um, stuff like that. And um, that's what's being presented to the U.S., or I'm sorry, the state Supreme Court now that there's a 4-3 liberal majority in the courts and they're looking at redrawing the maps for all of us for next year when we run again. What is that? You talk about, um, you know, obviously you have a family and it's hard to balance that every four years. How much strain is that put on you? And, you know, we see the signs. We know you as Jesse James. And um, But what does that look like behind the scenes for you? You know, um, that should. That, if my wife was here, I'd love to have her answer <laughs> that. Um, it, 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 what it is is when we're very active and this year has actually been very unique because usually we have like a summer recess and um, I purposely did not go or need to go to Madison once the budget was done for the month of July. Um, It was very nice to be home but we're busy with in-district stuff as well as our snowy business and working as a cop. Um, it, It was a busy July and then usually you know, it kind of corresponds with the federal government when they have that August recess. And we would have 
almost all of August off. Well, this year, the second week of August, I was back in the Capitol, and we were already having committee hearings. So usually we wait until after Labor Day, and this year it started like a month early, and um, it's just a unique session, and we're, we're extremely busy. Um, and typically I'll spend Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays down in Madison right now. On Thursdays, I usually have my committee meeting. I'm the chair of the Mental Health, Substance Abuse Prevention, and Children and Families Committee. And Thursday seems to be the day that we have our committee meeting um, to push through legislation, to confirm um, domestic abuse council members, to um, push through rules, like if they're going to put in a new uh, drug into the state or want to remove one, deregulate it. Um, you know, we have a lot of business that takes place with within the committee. So, and then Mondays and Fridays are typically district days, but being a senator now, you, I could purposely do this seven days a week. And so the demand is extremely high because everybody wants to see you. The makeup of our state, you know, we have 33 senators total. And for every Senate district, for every one senator, there's three representatives that make up the Senate district. So there's 99 representatives. And the way it sounds, um, the only um, thing on my mind right now is number one, having to run next year, where allegedly um, the, the, the case is that 132 of us are gonna have to run next year, which is absolutely insane. And I'm not happy about it. I, I ran, I, I wanted to become a senator for a four-year term and to have that break, but um, now having to run next year and then I'll have to run again two years after that, it's like I'm still a state representative. Do you think um, Do you think everybody's going to run like that's involved right now? I mean, because that is a lot of work and it's it takes time and effort to do that. So what do you yeah. think uh, is going to happen? So I think there's going to be some creativity here. Um, this is just me talking. Um, I, I think that I've seen statutory language to where if, when the maps are redrawn, um, there's a few things that could happen. I could be drawn out of my district. Mm. So if, I'll just make an example. The, the 23rd Senate District, which I am elected to right now, they could actually make the 23rd and put it down in Milwaukee. Oh. So I would have to literally move down there to maintain my seat as the 23rd senator huh. or not run at all and stay where I'm at. And are these maps supposed to get bigger? The territory lines, are they supposed to get bigger in geography or smaller? Or what does so that look like? In, um, every 10 years, it's based on the census, the population. So when they do the counts, um, it's based on geographical populations. So uh, right now, an assembly representative represents approximately 60,000 people. So if you take the three representatives times three, um, the three times the 60,000, a senator represents about 180,000 people. So they have to draw the, the maps congruent and um, contiguous mm -hmm. to where you don't have too many islands and, you know, everything's touching. You don't have, um, like, a little string area and then a huge land mass. Like, a, they call that a balloon on a string. Um, and I think 
Well, last year the Mavs went um, to the courts, and then they it went up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and basically this the states the U.S. Supreme Court told the state court, "You guys fix this. It's your problem." So now with this lawsuit being filed, um, I think that the Supreme Court is going to redraw the maps, and we're not going to. And I think they're going to tactically plan it to where we won't have time to counter it come next April 15th when everybody has to take out paid nomination signature papers. So you might not even see the maps until shortly before that time. Correct. Hmm. We don't, they're in the Supreme Court, our state Supreme Court last week just said that they will um, be here in the case. So the other thing, I could be drawn into another district. So Altoona, I know previous history, um, Kathleen Vinehood, who was a state senator, Altoona used to be part of the 31st Senate District. So I could be drawn into another district oh. where there's another senator already sitting in it, and I would have to run against that senator. And it could be Democrat or Republican. Interesting. A lot going on that a normal community member like myself does not know about behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, we we're, the media doesn't cover it up here mm-hmm. um, I, a lot of people that I've shared with especially my family members because I'm trying to garner their support for whatever this looks like um, they they don't even know about it and it ticks them off because in my opinion I think this type of action disenfranchises the the 2022 vote hmm. Joe any thoughts <clears throat> on your end no um, you know we see you on the public end Usually it's more in a public setting where, you know, you're Jesse James, but uh, there's a, a lot that seems to be going on behind the scenes that uh, the regular population and public does not realize. And even the stress that you're under, that puts you under, you know, as a senator for uh, the state of Wisconsin. It's Yeah, what does a, a day in the life look like? When you go to Madison, tell me about that. Like, what do you actually do when you get there? It's, it's constant. Um, I always say... Just well, I just started saying last week. If you're a board person, become a politician. <laughs> Run for local or state or national um, politics, and you will not be bored anymore. Um, typically, I will get up around five thirty in the morning on Tuesday mornings um, because I do like sleeping in my own bed. There's a lot of legislators that I'll go down the night before, so they don't have to get up early and drive down to Madison I'll get to the office usually <laughs> um T Victoria is my scheduler and um who by the way loves cabin coffee I have to mention <laughs> that my staff came up last Friday and we did a district day and all four of my staff came here first before we went to UW Eau Claire so um gotta get some good out. coffee uh, absolutely because they don't have cabin coffee in Madison well Joe we could we could look at that but <laughs> um, but I'll get down there, and usually 9 o'clock, yeah, I have my first meeting. And my staff, they just back up every meeting. It's about every half hour, and um, whether it's about legislation, whether it's meeting potential um, nominees for certain committees, um, the secretaries, for example, um, the UW Board of Regents, uh, there's lobbyists that will come in. They want to talk about legislation, working on legislation to get passed. Um, we have now we did a we just recently have um, Jaden Hoover from Chippewa. Um, she lives I think in Tilden. She was born and raised in Tilden. 
Um, she's down at UW-Madison. She's in law school, and she's an intern for us now. Oh, so wow. we just brought her on for an intern, and I like to focus on having the younger kids come down and ex- at least experience this. Um, so we have that going on. She's going to be tasked with a lot of mental health, her passions, mental health stuff. So making sure that she has duties to get done. But for my four staff, they each have a duty. You know, um, my chief of staff, Mitchell, he's the one that keeps me going, kind of gets me up to date on things, on what, where legislation's at, because we have hundreds of bills that come through our emails, and I don't catch them all, I'm going to be honest. It's very hard to read every single piece of legislation. But they'll give me a brief synopsis of what's going on, where our bills are at, how many votes short I might be, um, that's critical. Um, I'm actually three votes short on one bill that unanimously passed in the assembly, but there's three votes short on the Senate side. Because what's unique is um, when you're the majority, it doesn't matter about the Democrat Party for us right now. We need to have 17 Republican votes in our Senate because that's majority um, before a bill would go to the floor for vote. Oh. So we have 33 senators. 17 votes means that we have over the majority interesting um to get a bill passed and i'm trying to recruit three more yeses on um, some legislation that would help our law enforcement and county um at the local level and county level so it's talking to the fellow senators trying to see where they're at trying to persuade them um to uh support legislation it, it, that is a constant battle. Um, and then also they're asking me for vote counts because, like, for example, the 17th, we have a floor session coming up, and there's going to be bills coming to the floor, and every office has to go to every office and say, hey, what, where you, where's your boss at on this? Where's your sen- where's the senator at on this legislation? So um, we say yes or no, and there's, there's bills that aren't going to pass. Hmm. They won't even be brought to the floor because... <clears throat> We just, just want bills that, that are going to come to the floor that are going to move forward mm-hmm. because otherwise we're just wasting time. And really it's about you have to talk to the governor's office. You have to talk to your Democrat colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, there is there is some uh, bipartisan work that is going on um, between the Democrat and Republicans. I do like to do that because my goal is to have the governor sign legislation. So I want to use the Democrats to... Go to the governor and say, hey, this is a good bill. We really need to pass this. Well, and it's nice when you both agree, right? It, it makes things so much easier. Yeah. And it gets work done for the better interests of Wisconsinites. And right. That's, what we're, that's the whole goal. So give us an example. What are a couple of the bills that you're working on right now? Oh, there's so many. Um, you mentioned you have one for the the, um, poli- the law enforcement. Yes, and that's then, the DACA bill. Okay. So Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. This is the group of Hispanics or Mexicans that came across the border um, back in the day when Obama was president and the parents came across and they brought the little kids with them while they came across illegally. So that's the biggest thing that the my counterparts in the Senate say, well, they're here illegally, we should not support them. So right now the DACA kids, we have about... Uh, 10,000 plus in our state and they can not become uh, county or local government law enforcement but in our state we have state troopers 
conservation wardens, DNR guys and girls, and um, our DOC correction system, their state prison system, DACA can be those, they can work for those entities. Mm. So they can already be state troopers. But not local law enforcement. But not local law enforcement mm. in our state statute. Because we had a young man, his name's Jose from, uh, they call him Nacho, from Green Bay that was a community service officer, and he wanted to work for the Green Bay PD. And he couldn't because of our statutory language, hmm. saying that it would not allow that. So he was now working for a state patrol. Hmm. And he's a DACA individual. And they can carry guns. We already got mm-hmm. that clarification. That was a big, huge issue because they were saying illegals can't carry guns. That's not true. They say illegal immigrants. In my opinion, these kids didn't have a choice. Right. Their moms and dads brought them. Um, and I think this is a opportunity because we, we're seeing the shortest, lowest numbers of law enforcement in our state that we've seen in decades. So to give them the opportunity to pursue and become, whether it's working in our county jails as a certified law enforcement officer or working the streets at the county or even here in the city of Altoona, giving them that opportunity I think is uh, something that we should do. But the biggest complaint that I get from my colleagues that are voting no against this is because they're illegal immigrants. But they can get driver's licenses. They can get. They can't vote, and that's the other caveat. Since they can't vote, they shouldn't mm. be cops. And I really don't understand the cross tie with that. But that's just my heart. And um, what I'd like to share with my colleagues is that eventually, if they really look back at their lineage and history, their family came over here illegally at one point as well. So. Yeah. Um, I think they really need to take that in consideration. And this is one that um, I don't understand on how it can pass 99 to 0 in the Assembly, but I can't get the 17 votes from the Senators in the Senate. And especially if you're going to have a quality candidate. And we are at an all-time low right now for law enforcement. And, um, you know, it would just be one of those another avenue to explore to at least have more people come who are eligible qualified people that want to serve because you have to have a service hard to be a cop um, and that's the thing so it's hard to come by you know you are, you were in the military um, I was also in law enforcement you have to have a service heart and it doesn't matter where that service heart comes from it's just having qualified people to do it because it's getting harder and harder to find candidates nope. I agree yeah, who knew, Joe, you would have this topic when, I mean, kind of sits close to home with you being in yeah, law enforcement in does. the past. So. Absolutely. Like I said, and uh, um, it's just one of those things where, you know, not being in law enforcement anymore, but seeing, you know, what uh, cops are going through right now in this day and age and, 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 and all the way through. I mean, it's just, it's disheartening. Um, and I think if you, if that is your passion and your drive and you want to serve, it doesn't matter. Like I said, in this situation, um, if your parents brought you into the country, but you have that want and need to serve, um, yeah, it's kind of important, especially with the all-time low. And how long do you have before to get those three votes? have session to get it done. Okay. So we'll have, I think we'll probably end session in, in next March or April, beginning of April. Okay. It may be sooner, depending on how the actions the political actions of the Supreme Court, what happens there. Yep. Um, there's a lot tied to it, and 
there's they usually say well then uh we don't do anything the rest of the time while everybody gears up to run and there may be a few committees here and there but it's it's really all comes down to election time and this next time around if everything does change it is going to change the whole dynamics of our state wow who knew I definitely did not know that was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> um, one Another question I have, you mentioned mental health a couple times. Yep. And obviously that's such a huge need in our communities, well as I'm sure most communities out there. Tell me a little bit more about what you're trying to accomplish on the mental health side. Oh, a ton. Uh, in 2019, my first floor speech included uh, a statement regarding mental health not going anywhere. If anything, it's going to be on the rise. And then COVID happened, and that ex- exasperated mm-hmm. the, the mental health across our state, especially in our youth. Um, and we just don't have enough resources. Um, we have shrunk. Our psychiatrists are leaving the state. I think we've lost over 100 in the last couple of years. Huh. Um, I think we have maybe 300 psychiatrists for our entire state. Wow. It might even be less than that. Um, so that that's an interesting dynamic. Um, we have a lot of mental health navigators in our schools. Um, I think investing on ways to improve mental health through our schools. Chippewa Falls School District has an awesome program um, with what they do. They bring a lot of services into the school to include equine therapy, um, chiropractor services, um, therapists and other counselors. They have partnerships and collaborations with and to include family, to have the moms and dads being a part of the, the solution to the mental health with the young um, children. Well, with all the children. Um, so I think it's a, it's a community issue. I think we need to hold each other accountable. Um, we need to ask if people are okay. And I mean, if you feel like somebody's not, call them out on it. I, I think we got to get rid of that stigma still. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot more educational opportunities we should be taking advantage of in our schools um, because we know the ones that are hurting. It's just a matter of if people are going to engage them or not. We do have. Um, just last Thursday, we have a mental health stakeholders meeting because we're trying to get regional crisis stabilization centers across our state um, so that our those that have to be committed aren't always going to Winnebago. We're going to try and keep people closer in a voluntary commitment type of state rather mm-hmm. than involuntary. Okay. Um, I think personally, um, something that I brought up with the stakeholders group, and they believe that um, there's some avenues and paths forward is treating our juveniles separate from our adults because when we have a little kid that I encounter and I'm putting them in handcuffs and putting them in the backseat of my car and I'm supposed to be the officer there to help them as mm-hmm. parents say oh cops are there to help and then I'm the big meanie that's taking this action that's what they're going to remember mm-hmm. And I think it does impact the image of law enforcement yeah. when we're not trained to deal with this, but we're, we have to, in certain situations, take charge, especially if you have a 12 year little girl that wants to take a knife and stab everybody in the household and chase them into where the, the kids have to lock themselves in the room because um, hmm. she's homicidal. That's a problem. Yeah. So there are times where we have to take that type of action, but we can also undo it. 
and I was able to do that in one instance to where um, I was finally able to sit down and have a conversation with a young lady and sadly um, her issues are so prevalent that now we don't have enough in-state services for our youth mm -hmm. so she's now in sitting in Arizona <coughs> oh wow away from family no support structures no family support um, and it's just one of those things that we need to look at some youth it, it, youth psychiatric hospitals in state yeah um, so that we can keep our kids here I know a lot of county agencies, DHS, are paying tons of money for shipping out of state. And any way that we can bring cost savings huh. while accomplishing keeping our youth in state close to family, support structures in place, um, that's where I'm at. I'm also a huge advocate. I'm working on legislation with uh, recovery schools. And we only have one in our state that's public, that's tied with Madison School District in Dane County. It's called uh, Horizons. We were able to get some funding, and any interested parties would be able to also get grant funding to help start a recovery school. Okay. And it may be only 10, 15 kids, but you hear the powerful testimony from these kids, mm -hmm. and they're the ones that want to be sober. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're talking uh, 12 years old, uh, cocaine addicts and stuff like that, I mean, that's what's ravaging our state and... Um, when we can have opportunities to improve kids' lives because they want it to be improved, I think that's valuable in itself as well. Wow, powerful stuff. Yeah. And I go back to the first topic you talked about. Sometimes these kids are born into a situation where they didn't have a choice. So right. I think all the support and love we can give is a good thing. Very true. And especially you know, from law enforcement, I always mental health was always tough for law enforcement on the street because we're not trained in it um, and we have to rely on other people and it seemed like at the time uh, it was we need to find a facility in order to take them there for the three days or longer and that was the solution but that doesn't seem to always be the solution or because th then it's just a, rep a repetitive cycle so that's right well and mental health is one of those things that's so big and there's so many different things we could be doing. So it's hard to wrap your arms around it. But we appreciate you. We appreciate what you're doing for these kids. And um, educating us today, educating the audience today. Thank you for coming in. I know we got to wrap up here. Um, any last words uh, before we give you your bag of roasted coffee and send you on your way? <laughs> um, no, just thank you for having me. And, uh, I, you know, any prayers that can be shoved my way um i will definitely take them it does help when i have that type of support um, because i do rely on somebody higher than myself to help guide and direct me and i'm going to be honest there are some d decisions that have to be made as we navigate forward um through this process and um politics can be good but it can also be very very ugly mm -hmm. and that's kind of the this is the stuff what I'm going to be going through the next year here and trying to decide what are the next steps we're looking forward so just his his guidance and support and his will needs to be done and I don't want to make it about me well we will be praying for you Jesse Thank you. and uh, we'll continue uh, uh, with our friendship no matter how it pans out and uh, it's a pleasure having you with us today thank you for having me all right good luck <laughs>